Verses of chapter 11 of Matthew. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man. The Father saved the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. Come to me, all that ye are that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And from chapter 12, at that time Jesus, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and his disciples were hungry and began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry, and they that were with him? How he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat, neither for them which were with him be only for the priest. Or have you not read on the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? By saying to you that in this place is one greater than the temple. But if you had known what this means, if I would have mercy and not sacrifice, you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even on the Sabbath day. And when he was departed thence, he went to the synagogue, and behold, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days, that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall have one sheep? If it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much does a man better than a sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand, and he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole, like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him, how they might destroy him. But when Jesus knew it, he withdrew himself from thence, and great multitudes followed him, and he healed them all, and charged them that they should not make him known, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by Zeus, the prophet, saying, Behold my servant, whom I have chosen, my beloved, in whom my soul is well pleased. I will put my spirit upon him, and he shall show judgment to the Gentiles. He shall not strive nor cry, neither shall any man hear his voice in the streets. A bruised reed shall he not break, and smoking flesh shall he not quench, till he send forth judgment into victory. And his name shall the Gentiles trust. From Gospel of John chapter 14 and 16, this is Jesus talking to Thomas and us and all mankind. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh into the Father but by me. And the front. 
quote I had worth quoting it. The best thing to say for the future is your soul. Well, thank the Lord. Aren't you glad that you're on church Labor Day weekend? You see, all the people that are out camping, God's passing raining judgment on them. Now, it's different if I'm out camping, right? Isn't that right the way we are, though? It's always somebody else until it's our turn. Then God would never do anything like that to us. Isn't that right, brother? Yeah. Oh, well, I'm glad I'm in church. I'm glad to see everybody here this morning. And it's just a good... Uh, it's just a good feeling to be in God's house and to be in the presence of God. I was listening to Rob speak about that, about his grandmother, and I think about the same thing with my mother. She can just be jabbering around and not knowing anything's going on until you say anything about God, church, the Word of God, and she stops everything. And she can make some of the most canny statements. Uh, it's, it's almost, you can't hardly believe it, but when it comes to, to, to Jesus Christ, the Word of God, all of a sudden everything just clears up. And uh, that, that's a great hope, isn't it? It really is. It's a great hope to know that you've got something that is so stable that no matter what goes on around you, that you can know that that's going to be there. Jesus will always be there. I would like for us, before we get started, I'd like for us to pray. And I have a, I have a specific uh, area that I want poverty level than just how much money you have in your pocket. There's a poverty of spiritual things that the church has lived so far below so far below for so long that all of a sudden the opportunity arises before us to be able to change a whole lot of what we have been for so long. And as that opportunity is right now. It is right now. We need to study and look to the Word of God and understand our position more than ever before. And that's what I want to talk about. We're starting a new series called The Church in Action. And we're going to talk about the position church. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and read to you where you're standing. Matthew, the 16th chapter, 13 through 19. And when the Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? Excuse me. And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered, and he said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood have not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. But I say unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven turn and shake that good looking person on your right hands and if there's nobody on your right shake your own hand See, Mark, I did that just for you because I knew that that lady on your right, the good-looking lady, that's a good opportunity for her to be called. See, look at her wave at me right there. Good to see Mark and his mama, Sister Anderson. I have given that woman grief for how many years? A long time. long time. But the bad thing about it is she gives it right back to me, and that is a sad state because I don't deserve it. (laughs) 
I heard a little something up here. What was that? You know, Jesus founded the church upon revelation. I, if I was to do this, and I, I thought about it, but I was too lazy, so I didn't do it. But I would have taken and put me a podium here. Let's just pretend, all right? You got a podium here. One. Keep track now for me. Quit playing through your iPhone, text messaging. One there. Put another one here. Would have kept this one here. That's three. And put one here and one here. Because the church has really five positions. Probably more, but that's the best we could come up with right now. Five positions that we're going to, to really talk about here. because The, the church has a purpose. And, and, and the church, if a church begins or exists, let me, let, me, let, me, let me phrase it this way. The local church exists to do business as usual. Then that church is destined to die. It will never work if it's business as usual. Its days are numbered if it thinks that way. Jesus established his church to be more than just a social club or a place to pat one another on the back. I believe in patting one another on the back. I believe everybody needs to be patted on the back. And it's nice, and, 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 and we, we, we deserve that ever so often. But if you come to church just for someone to pat you on the back, then you've missed the whole purpose in what the church is about. You've got tons of them out there that, that will never really have revival or don't, really don't want to have revival because when you do, then you begin to lose that pat-me-on-the-back attitude because you've got brand new people in there that need to be grounded and discipled. And when you begin to do that, then you kind of lose sight. And poor old Tony here, you know, he expects me to come and pat him on the back every service. You know, and I've done it, but I, I can't anymore because I've got these two brand new ones here. No, they're not, but i got these two brand new ones here, and i got to pat them on the back a little bit because they deserve it. He's been in church for 376 years, and he should know. Isn't that right? Huh? He should be helping me pat people on the back rather than... Right? Now, I'm just, I, I don't know, I, I, I'm just kind of talking here. I, I, I'm probably off. Am I off, guys? Am I, I mean, help me. I'm okay. I'm doing all right. So the church has to be more than that. And, you know, when, 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 when Peter said, or when Jesus said to Peter, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Yeah, when we meet for a scheduled church service, it's more than just a meeting of people from various backgrounds. It's more than that. And they've all chosen to just socialize. We've got various backgrounds, and we've all chosen to, to, to socialize. Rob comes to me, and he's got his iPhone. He said, look at this, uh, this new thing I've downloaded on my iPhone. If you've got something like this, you know, that's all we do. We just spend our time talking about this. Well, that's all fine and good. It has its place. Uh, but it should be a whole lot more than just uh, socializing. I don't come to a church service just so I can socialize with you. The purpose of uh, meeting or having a church meeting, if you would, is threefold. Number one, it's to invite God to meet an individual's needs. Number two, it's to hear from the voice of God. And number three, it's to worship God. And this may be accomplished through His preached Word, through the gifts of the Spirit, and through private words of encouragement or through corporate worship. That's when we never diminish the need for attending church services. You just can't decide to take a good long vacation from church because it just wears you out. Isn't that right? 
I mean, every time I go, they just come, you know, these people just come and just... Oh, everything I have. I mean, it's just like a Slurpee when it's empty. Now, everything is just taken away from me. You can't make that decision. And I'd be the first one to say that I get tempted all the time just to stay home. I said, I've got to go and listen to Brother Downing again. Gripe and complain because I'm so much better looking than he is and he wishes he was born differently. You know, I, I just... I just can't stand it anymore. Just that's all. That's all. And it's 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 tempting. But when I come to the house of God, I found out, regardless of how much the devil will try to keep me out of the house of God, that when I come, and it doesn't matter how many people are doing a slurpee on me. You know, it doesn't matter how many people are sucking the very life out of me. It doesn't matter. God has a way of giving you everything that you need. And He'll help you and strengthen you and be with you. And you will leave that church service better than you was before. It doesn't matter whether you believe it or not. You will leave it better than you have ever been had before. That's the reason the Bible says, Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together, or yourselves rather, ourselves, I'm sorry, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, so much the more as you see that day approaching. And I see that day approaching. If you don't see that day approaching, then there's something wrong with your spiritual perception. Uh, we, we understand the purpose of the church service. But there's more to the purpose of the church than just the church service alone. We enter the church service to worship, to praise, and to listen to God's voice. However, we leave the church service itself to serve our world, to fulfill God's purpose for His church. God's purchased the church with His own blood, established it to reveal His glory to the world, and, and He will receive it unto Himself as His chosen bride. So a local church that gathers to hear from God and to encourage others is one that will affect its community. It will naturally grow in number and in spiritual strength because it is fulfilling God's purpose for its existence. That's why. Now, now I, uh, I, I'm just going back to the, the scripture that we talked about. When Jesus was traveling with his disciples... Now, they traveled from the region, from the Sea of Galilee, and went to north about 30 miles to Caesarea Philippi. Now, that is a different place from, uh, than from Caesarea by the Mediterranean Sea. But it was there that Jesus questioned his disciples, and he asked them that question, Whom do men say that I am? And, of course, they went through the litany of, of the prophets. You know, some say Jeremiah, Elijah. Some even said John the Baptist. But who do you say, he said, that I am? And, and you know, Peter spoke up and he said, well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the Christ. And, you know, th this Christ-centered proclamation became a key component of the foundation of the church. Now, the birth of the church in Acts 2 was a sequel to a 4,000-year drama that portrayed an incremental revelation of God's nature and his expectations. If you have never taken the time to study the Old Testament with the, the thought of what the Old Testament was trying to say to you when it comes to revealing what the, the New Testament is. You know, you've heard it said before, the, the Old Testament is a New Testament concealed. 
and the New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. But if you study with, with that thought in mind, you begin to see that the, the, the mess that, the, the, and the dismal fall, if you would, of mankind in the Garden of Eden to the day of Pentecost, the Scriptures actually reveal from that point a progressive revelation of the Almighty God and chronicle the repair of a breached relationship. A, a good grasp of the unfolding Old Testament drama is essential to understanding the emergence of the body of Christ in the New Testament. The birth of the church was a fulfillment of years and of prophetic pronouncement and longing and anticipation. And the substance of the New Testament fully revealed the shadows of the Old Testament. Jesus introduced the church as, a, again, a social body made holy by His blood, empowered by His Spirit, governed by His Word, and given eternal destiny by His providence. The church is positioned in a pivotal place of opportunity, protection, and blessing in this world. The the worldly system may not acknowledge what the church is, but it doesn't have to acknowledge it. I really don't care what the world thinks of me in my relationship with Jesus Christ. I want them to know that the only thing that they have, that there is a difference in the church. The church does not look, act, taste, smell, anything like the world. The church is something completely different. We are a culture unto ourselves. We are a people that are called out. We are a people of the name of Jesus, and we should never be embarrassed about who we are. Praise God. I've been pastoring too long. I get more radical about being different and called out from the world and standards than I've ever been before. I, the church has an impregnable foundation that will stand against undermining human philosophies. It is a bastion of strength against the hordes of hell that try to break it down. And Jesus declared, and I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The church holds a position of strength as long as it maintains relationship with Jesus Christ. Why do churches fail? Why do churches not have revival? Because they don't maintain relationship. You have to maintain a relationship in order to be successful in your relationship with God at all. If you want God to be in your life, you want God to direct your life, you've got to maintain a relationship. The church is composed of people who have been spiritually born into it. It's not a, an entity that accepts casual sign-ups or that permits special membership for family and friends. That's not the way this works. There's no special dispensation that is given to family and friends for a short time. I'll come to church today. Membership is only half price. That doesn't work that way. Everybody has to do the same thing to be a part of the body. Everybody does. Each person must die to his fleshly nature by repenting of his sins, being baptized by the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, rather, for the remission of sins, and receiving the Holy Spirit with the evidence, Holy Ghost, I'm just trying to be nice here, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues, according to Acts 2.38, every member is accepted by the same initiation experience. Circumstances, sequence, and intensity may vary, but the fact remains that every member of the church must be born again. 
Someone, someone once observed, I thought it was a great statement, he said, God has no grandchildren. All he has is children. There's no one in between. They're all children. You know, it doesn't matter what you think. Maybe, maybe someone brought you into the church. That, you know, in, in a spiritual sense, yeah, they're your mom and your daddy, but the real mom and daddy is a church and God. Come on. The church is the mother. It helps to birth everything together. But our Father, there's no, there's no grandfathers here. He is our Father. Whoever you are and whatever you've had to endure, you've got a Father that is in heaven. You know, the Bible compares the church to a building with Jesus as the architect, builder, and the resident. And Paul observed that the church is built upon the foundation, the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in in the Lord, and whom you also are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. In Ephesians 2, 20, 22. We are free to choose whether to be disciples of Jesus, but when we do become a disciple, He owns us. We are possessed by Him. Are you hearing me? He owns us. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church. I always love this scripture in, uh, in 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, actually. Uh, it's in 1 Corinthians 3. says it as well. I mean, he says, what? Know you not that you are the body of, uh, that you, excuse me, know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own, for you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. I, 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 every time I read that, I, it's like Paul was standing in front of these Corinthians, and he was looking at them saying, I don't get it. What? What? It's like when... Jesus talked to Philip. You know, Jesus, or, Philip, I've been so long with you, and yet you don't know who I am? It's the same way at the church. What, how long have you been here? How many services have you attended? This is what Paul was saying to the Corinthian church. How many times have I preached to you? And what? Know you not that you're the temple? You're not your own? You're bought with a price? And you're going out there... Taking drugs and drinking and smoking. I mean, it's why it's telling Corinthian church. I know this church never did anything like that. Nobody would in here because you're all enlightened. But Paul, he had a time with the Corinthians. And he said, what? No, you're not. And what are you doing to yourself? But you just don't understand the pressure I'm under. I understand the pressure he was under for you. All you have to do is just take that pressure that he was already been under for you and adapt it to your life. In other words, he took everything for you. All you got to do is trust him and he'll deliver you from anything. That's all. People have frequently observed that the disciples were the companions of Jesus in Acts 4.13. Now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled that they took knowledge of them and they had been with Jesus. The New Testament mentions the word Father 418 times, most of which refer to God as our Heavenly Father. John referred to the church as the sons of God. Other passages of Scripture refer to believers as children. 1 John 3.10, 1 John 4.4, 4, these terms illustrate the close familial relationship that God has with the church. We enjoy a position of close relationship with Him. He's letting us know that. He said, what? I've got this close relationship. Do you not know that I purchased you? You belong to me. Relationship is vital. That's a position that the church holds. 
Now we're at number three, where I am right now. We had one over here. We gotta be sure that keep everybody's mind in the right place here. One here. One here. These are different positions the church have. The fact remains that we are positioned and we have a strong, firm position. Now we're positioned by revelation. You know, revelation, understanding things that are otherwise unknown to the world. Spiritual matters are foolishness to many people. Sadly enough, spiritual matters sometimes are foolishness to people in the church. The closest they ever get to spiritual matters is when they receive the Holy Ghost, and they think that's a one-time thing and there's no need to do it again. So they just come down and speak tongue in tongues a little bit, and they never really seem to get free. They never really give in to what the, the Spirit of God can do and how the Spirit of God can not only dwell in you, but can be a guiding force in your life. And so, so sometimes it's, just, it's foolishness to people. But God has revealed them to His people, His true people. In that hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit, and He said, I thank Thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that Thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in Thy sight. Luke ten twenty one. Paul wrote to the believers in Corinth, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of men the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. Now we have a spirit or a position, if you would, of revelation. He wants to reveal it. Number one, I've already spoken. I'm going, to talk about, I'm going to talk just a little bit more about it. He's the revelation of Jesus' identity. Paul wrote to the Ephesians how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men as it is now revealed unto the holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Sometimes, folks... You might go crazy trying to get a person of another denomination to understand the oneness of God. Number one, the first thing you need to do is get that person baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. Don't work on it any other way. Because if you try to get them to understand it, they're going to go back to their old, old traditional dogma. But if you can get them baptized, you show them in the Scripture while they need to be baptized. Get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Then let the Spirit of God reveal to them. This thing has to come by revelation. And it seems when you understand it, when the revelation comes of His oneness, it's just like a door has opened. It's just like everything is clear. I don't believe that, you know, that I, I don't worship idols. I don't look at Mary uh, weeping tears of blood from some kind of statue and, and having a priest come and throw a little a few drops of water and say, I'm okay. I don't go in some kind of little closet and confess my sins to somebody. I go in my closet and I confess my sins, but it's to Jesus. It's not to somebody. And I, that's just the way it works. That's the way the Bible tells us to do it. He was God with us, Matthew one twenty three, and the founder and the head of the church. He was a servant, but now and forever he will be our King of kings and our Lord of lords, 1 Timothy 6.15, Hebrews 7. 
He was a supreme sacrifice for mankind's transgressions. It is His precious blood that washes away our sins. He was the manifestation of the invisible God. 1 Timothy 3.16, 2 Timothy 1.10, 1 Peter 1.19, 1 John 1.1-4, and 3.5-8. Jesus said to Philip, and I just quoted earlier, Have I been so long time with you, and hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me has seen the Father, and how sayest thou, show us the Father? This is the revelation of the Lord's identity. Our position is firm. We also have the revelation of the believer's identity with Christ. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. In 1 John 3, 2. Just as Jesus was a manifestation of God to humanity, the church is a manifestation of Jesus Christ to the world. Do you understand that? We are the manifestation of Jesus Christ to the world. That's why we have to be different. We have to realize how would Jesus do something? What would Jesus look like? What would Jesus do in the situation? Because everybody's looking at us. And a lot of these people have never heard these simple stories. They've never heard these simple stories. And you have, to, you have to be able to bring people in anymore where they live. That's the reason teaching Bible studies are so very important. Because you allow them to know. They hear a Bible study, they hear the preaching of the Word, they've got a basic idea of what's going on. And you talk about Samson, they don't think you're saying He-Man. Oh, I'm sorry, that's way past some of you. What's uh, uh, Power Rangers or, you know, or some of this nature? There we go. I got a little bit more response out of Power Rangers. Okay. Jesus prayed and he said, Now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world. And I come to thee, Holy Father, keep through thine own name those whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. The church represents Jesus Christ in the earth. He has gone away physically and left the responsibility of building his church to the believers. The responsibility is ours. 2 Corinthians 5:20 Now then we are ambassadors of Christ as though excuse me as though God did beseech you by us we pray you in Christ's stead be ye reconciled to God the church has heavenly citizenship yet it remains in the earth to represent God's kingdom this is this is a serious and profound responsibility folks i'm not sure that any of us really understand how god views this and there you know we should be courageous models of jesus christ like the apostle paul be ye followers of me even as i also am of christ we have to be courageous and how we deal with things. The church stands. Now, and, and this is the last position that would be over there, and I'm too lazy to walk over there. But the last position is the opposition to hell. The opposition to hell. We stand opposed to hell. Are you hearing me? You say, well, that, that, that's pretty simple. You think I'm a dummy or something? You better listen to me. You know, the church stands for that which is pure, honest, redemptive, and life-giving. Hell stands for evil, dishonesty, destruction, and death. 
So consequently, the church is in a position of conflict with the forces of hell. But Jesus' words proclaiming the strong position of the church assures us greatly in Matthew 16 and 18. The church occupies a victorious position as believers maintain their absolute trust in Jesus Christ. It's absolute. We do not know. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He will direct thy paths. Do you understand how much... He emphasis he placed on trust. If we don't learn to trust God with our families, with our relationship, with everything that we do, he will put you in a position where you have to trust. That is why the society is in the mess that it's in now, because God is trying to put the church, which they have shouted so much about trust, he's putting you in a position that you have to trust. You know, the thing with trust is sometimes what you're trusting for seems like it takes forever to get there. It just drags on. Come down to the altar on Sunday night. I trust you, God. Tomorrow will be better. Tomorrow's no better. Trust you, Lord. Tuesday will be better. Tuesday's no better. Trust you, Lord. Next month will be better. Next month's no better. Trust you, Lord. Next year at this time will be better. Next year at this time is no better. But you see, time with God is real. He just likes you to trust. And all this time, the things are not working out. You're still making it. And we never stop to thank Him for the fact that we're still making it. Don't let hell get you down. Because hell will try to drag you down to its level. The evil of the world gives the church a great opportunity. Please hear this. This is, this is why there has to be evil. If you've ever wondered, this is probably the best answer that I, I've, I've, ever, I've ever heard. It's, it's a display. You know, it gives the church, hell or evil if you would, gives the church a great opportunity to display its contrasting virtues. Contrast help us to, to better understand things. An example of that would be light shines brightness or brightest in darkness. Diamonds look brilliant when displayed on black velvet. You see, if there's not darkness around us, then we never shine. We never, people don't look at it and say, there is something to Christianity because I see darkness all around him, but in the middle of it, he still shines. In the middle of, of your workplace, when everybody else is telling dirty jokes and nasty and cussing and carrying on, guess what? You're shining because you're not participating. Contrast helps us to shine. Uh, you know, artists, designers, sign painters use contrasting colors to emphasize the important aspects of the work. The destructive impact of sin is, is all around us. Disease, violence, crime, mental sickness, and, and numerous other symptoms. However, these, pro- these products of sin contrast starkly with the benefits of a life given to God. Jesus used such contrast in one of his statements. He said, the thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. But he said, I come that they might have life and that they may ha- might have it more abundantly in John 10.10. 10. Paul also offered a contrast when he declared to the Romans, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, and, and Jesus assured Peter that the church would prevail. 
The church possesses the same victory that Jesus experienced over death and hell. Jesus said, I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of death, of hell, and of death in Revelations 1.18. Jesus instructed his disciples, and as ye go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely ever receive, freely give in Matthew 10, 7 and 8. John's words to the church are also encouraging. We, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. In 1 John 4, 4, hell's gates may be strong, but they cannot withstand the truth-empowered church of Jesus Christ. That is, the best Old Testament example is when Samson carried off the gates of Gaza. He did not, he just picked up the gates off their hinges and carried them off. He was letting everybody see what this was just saying. That hell cannot shut. It's not a matter of, the gates can't keep us out of hell. Now, do you understand what I'm saying? The church is positioned to reach in through the gates and pluck people out of hell. That's our position. Hell tries to shut the gates on us to keep us away from there. But we are reaching in and pulling people out. That's the contrast. You know, Jude exhorted the church, snatch the souls from the fire of hell. And others, and, and others save with fear, pulling them, pulling them out of the fire. Hating even the garment spotted by the flesh. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling, to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Therefore the church should proactively promote the kingdom of God. The psalmist promised, Thou shalt tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon shalt thou trample underfoot in Psalm 91.13. The disciples returned to Jesus after he had sent them out saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. The church occupies a position of great responsibility and power and should aggressively seek to draw the lost to Jesus Christ for his glory. That is our responsibility. Stand with me. I'm taking more time than I intended. I am. I, I, I am excited about the last remaining time that we have before the rapture. And I really am, you can believe and do what you want. But I'm counting down. Because that's just how close I feel that it really is. I think that we are so close that none of us, there's something that's happening. There is, there is an anointing, a prophetic utterance that is coming into the church like never before. It's been coming for some time, but it's even closer than it has ever been before. It's an exciting time to be living for God because people are going to start seeing it. People are going to start flooding the churches that preach truth, that there's a difference. People are tired of going to church and not feeling anything or seeing any difference. They're tired of it, and they should be tired of it. I'm tired of false. I'm tired of hypocrisy. I don't want that. I want to come in and be real because if I'm real in this church, Jesus is going to be real with me. It's the same way with you. And everything that you do, you've got to be real. Let's raise our hands to the Lord right now and thank Him. Father, we thank You for Your blessings, Your goodness, Your mercy. I praise You. I glorify You. I acknowledge all that You are and all that You will ever be to us. I pray. Let us understand, Jesus, our position. Let us understand what power You've given us in every position, Lord, that we have been powered as a church. I praise You now, God, and ask it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Look at the good-looking person on your left.
Shake their hands and you're dismissed.